Hello and welcome to the Art of Communication podcast with me, Robin Kermode. Have you ever wished you could become a confident speaker or presenter? Then why not join my online masterclass, Speak So Your Audience Will Listen. In 10 easy-to-follow modules, you can become a confident and authentic speaker. For more information, visit robinkermode.com. Hello, and welcome to this podcast. As ever, I'm here with Robin Kermode. Hello. This time, we're going to talk about keeping it fresh. Anybody who has to deliver a speech or has to give a message or communicate with their audience wants to make it sound completely fresh, as if it's spontaneous and it's just come to you. So what I really want to do is I want to start with a question. What is the opposite of keeping it fresh? Is the opposite that your speech is really boring? Well, I think the opposite of fresh is repetitive. You know, if you sit in the audience and you hear somebody saying something, you think, you've said this a hundred times before. It has to feel like it's the first time you've ever said it. And of course, people who have to do the same thing over and over again, like maybe if you're giving a town hall to lots of people in your company and doing the same presentation over and over again to different cohorts, or maybe you're a salesperson and you're having to give the same sales pitch over and over again. Yeah. It is hard. So let's dive into that. What are the tricks of the trade in order to keep it fresh? I mean, actors may be filming something and have to do it over and over again. So how do you keep it fresh? Well, you keep it fresh by remembering why you're saying what you're saying. So the most common thing that people say to actors is, how do you learn your lines? Mm. I always say to people, oh, that's the easy bit. Learning the lines by rote is easy. Making them not sound like lines is the discipline. Right. You have to make them sound fresh every single time because the audience is sitting there paying. Yes. So if you're doing a difficult love scene and another character says to your character, I don't love you anymore, you have to respond as if you've just heard it for the first time. Yeah. So what are the top tips? Well, the main thing is it comes back to intention. What is the intention for the line, if you're an actor? What is the intention for the presentation, if you're in business? Why are you giving this speech? If your intention is, I want these people to change their belief system, change their behavior, encourage them, motivate them, whatever it is. Buy something. Buy something, exactly, if you're selling. So if we're clear with our intention and we're clear with the outcome that we want, then the delivery of it becomes fresh. You're looking at a fresh group of people saying, I really want you to feel this. Not, I'm just going through my standard presentation and you can listen to it or you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to. Which goes back to what I was saying earlier. Is the opposite of fresh boring? Because we judge people very harshly if they're boring. Mm. Or if they're bored. Or if they're bored. I think it's if they're bored. goes back to your intention. And the big definition, of course, of boring is people who don't listen. So I think what you're saying is that we ourselves have to find the topic really interesting in order to keep it fresh by focusing on the intention or why we're doing the talk. Exactly. Because if we're bored by it, then, of course, other people will find us boring. You know, if you meet someone at a party and you come away thinking they were boring, it's probably because they don't listen. Now, when you're giving a presentation, of course, you are probably the one doing the speaking and the audience is probably the one doing the listening. But it wants to feel like it's a conversation, even though you're presenting. The other half of it Mm. is their listening. But actually, it wants to be almost your listening to their silent nods as it were it wants to feel like you're connecting with them oh that's fascinating so you're actually listening to their silent side silent response in a sense silent response yeah can we just dig in a little bit though Mm. to being boring because Mm. i don't know about other people but 
I'm constantly in fear that people are thinking I'm boring. You know, I'm talking about something. <laughs> Sorry, we were saying something. <laughs> <laughs> but I... See, Anne, you're never boring. I'm... You're never boring because you're interested in other people. That's why you're never boring. Well, wait, because you're looking out in the audience and you're looking at their silent response. Mm. And actually, maybe you're reading the room wrong, but sometimes I'm not. I can see people are glazing over because sometimes what I'm talking about actually doesn't set the world alight. You know, it's much more about a building block than it is about shooting the lights out. Okay, so, but that comes back so, to yeah, what that comes it? back to the big thing, which is the two whys. Why are you telling them this and why should they care? So if you're right. clear about why you're telling them, we talked about the intention because you yeah. want some change in behavior or want them to buy it or whatever, but why should they care? If we constantly refer back to saying, and this is interesting for you because, and they go, oh, I see. Oh, I see that does affect me or that might right. help me in some way. So it's all about the other person. Yes. I always say to my clients, if we're looking at how they construct a speech, I always say, it's not about you. Mm. The speech is always about the audience. Why on earth should the audience care? And if we tell them why they should care, we make it easier for them to understand why they should care, then they listen and they then don't they, find us boring. And they don't find us boring. Yeah. And they think it's fresh, like you've just said it yeah. or you're just thinking about it. Yeah. Actually, keeping it fresh, let's move to a couple of more ideas. You have given me a couple of tips in the past which have been remarkably successful, Is uh, for me that is, is yeah. that you color code any written speech I have. And I find that so much more relaxing because I can keep it fresh. I don't feel like I'm just reading pages and pages. Let's follow on from that and go a little bit deeper. Why is the colour helpful? Because if you're nervous about losing your way, mm. you can really quickly find the blue box or the red box or the whatever. You don't have to worry about having to find it. And then you begin to make it your own. Every time you give that speech, you make it your own. You do. But the colour is also about the section changes. So if you have different section changes and different sections have different colours, yeah. if they have different emotional colours then it's not boring. If the whole presentation, the whole 20-minute presentation, say, is always at the same level, I mean, how many sentences does it take to send an audience to sleep? The answer is three. And here we go. So the first sentence goes very slightly down at the end, and the second sentence goes very slightly down at the end, and the third sentence goes very slightly down at the end, and sleep, right? And we've got, right, literally. It's like, it's like... You've said in the past that you can send your audience to sleep straight away by saying, Good morning. My name is Robin Kermode. I'm going to talk to you today. They glaze over if you do that yeah. because they go, oh, here, there's going to be another speech. Another, another presentation. Speech. Yeah. But if we can go straight in there and grab their attention yeah. right at the beginning with why it's useful to them or why this might be interesting to them or pose a question that they find interesting, ask or, them a question. You've often said in the past, start with a story. Don't even introduce yourself. Keep it fresh by going, do you know what happened to me last Tuesday? Yes. This person was doing this. It's relevant for the talk, but you go mm. straight into a story. But sometimes it's Groundhog Day and you don't know. If you're giving that speech over and over again, mm. have you told that story before? Or do you do what you saw once? Yeah. And we won't mention the name of who this was. It was a very famous person. They started off with a good story, a really yep. funny story, got everyone's attention. Yeah. But he'd obviously given this speech so often that by the end, he said, I want to finish with a story. And it was the same story that he had started with. Oh, it was so awkward. And, and everybody in the room was looking at each other. The audience was all over 80, except for me. Maybe they were hearing it for the <laughs> first time. But there is that thing of how you keep stories fresh, how you tell, you know, if you're telling a joke. 
How do you keep it fresh? You have to find it funny. So I tell jokes all the time, but I make myself laugh. Yeah, that's true. I genuinely make you, myself you laugh. Yeah. And if I don't find the joke funny anymore, I don't tell it. Yeah. <laughs> and if I don't find the story interesting anymore, I don't tell it. Let's look on the flip side. Okay, so if you know somebody who tells the same story over and over, like you know them really well and you've known them for 20 years or something like that, and they tell the same story and you think, oh no, they're going to tell that and story think, again. should I tell them? I never do. I listen to the story again. Do you know why? Because I think what they're doing is they're sharing with me what is for them a highly significant memory. It yes. is something that's so important to them. And it makes them feel good. I think so. And also, yeah. I think sometimes people tell their stories again because that's all they've got. You know, like they haven't got anything else to say and they need to communicate with you. And so a little bit of me would like to say, listen, you've told that story yes, over I... and over. Kids tend to say that to their parents. Do we have to listen to that again? We would around the table when we were growing up with five kids, we would look around the table going, I think we've heard this story once before. But no, nobody ever said anything because no. we were too polite in those days. No, you but didn't. we caught each other's eyes going, oh, it's that story again. But we do judge people who do it. Well, I think it's fairly easy if you're doing one speech. Mm. So if I go along and I'm going to give a speech for an hour or two hours or something, I can pepper it with lots of stories that are appropriate and hopefully some of them funny. That's not a problem. I'm probably not going to repeat that in the same hour, hour and a half. Mm. But if I've done, as happens quite often, I do say three speeches in a day to the same organization with different groups within that organization. Yeah. By the third one, you're thinking, have I told that story already? And what I do then is I make sure that I structure my speech in such a way that I have sections. And I know that when if I'm on this section, I've used the relevant story for that section and I don't go back. So I have to make the speech very, very clear in its sections. Can you keep it fresh if you create a story at the event? somebody's phone goes off by mistake or something, then you can begin to create a story around that for that one event, can't you? Yes. Or even, I don't know if you saw the newspaper headline this morning, or you can keep it fresh. I was driving in this morning and I heard something on the radio. That kind of thing keeps it fresh. Yeah. The difficulty that actors have eight times a week is how do you keep it fresh for a year? Are there tricks? Well, there's a game that's, <laughs> I shouldn't really say this. There's a game that some actors play yeah. called the vegetable game. Now, the vegetable game is this. To keep yourself and your fellow actors awake, what you do is you try to say as many vegetable names, the names of as many vegetables as you can, yeah. in the dialogue so that the audience don't realise that it's odd. Okay. And you get more points for something really audacious. So if you're doing something hugely dramatic like to be or not to be, you know, if you said to be or not to let us be, that is the question. But in the audience you're thinking... Did he say lettuce? He can't have said lettuce. I'm, I must have misheard him. The more audacious you can be, you get more points. I was doing a play once, and another actor said to me, let's play the vegetable game tonight. I said, okay. By the time we got to the last scene, I'd probably had maybe 10 vegetables I'd mentioned and right. got away with it. Very What's your favourite? Broccoli, carrot. You throw them in there. Asparagus. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and if you do it with enormous confidence, actually, he can't have said asparagus. I must have got it wrong. And this guy who suggested the game hadn't done any. So I was winning by 10 to nil. We were standing in the wings before the last scene. And I said, you haven't done a vegetable yet. He said, oh, just you wait. And I was desperately trying to think what was in the last scene. And the last scene was about his character ending a relationship with his long-term partner who was hoping to marry him, and she was called Jean. The relationship was finished, it was all over. The very last line was, he paused just before he did, and he sort of looked at me, and I thought, oh, what are we discovering? And he had to say to her, I'm afraid I can't marry you. It's over, Jean. Right. But he paused and he said, I'm sorry I can't marry you. It's aubergine. <laughs> 
and the curtain came down <laughs> and so he got huge Did amounts he win? of that beat my 10 so that's very funny <laughs> on a serious note I think what actors do on a regular basis is you say okay tonight I'm going to do the show and I'm going to be as clear in my articulation my diction my speech as I can be another evening you might say I'm really going to listen to everything that another character says to me I'm really going to listen and just respond to what I hear another time you might say I'm going to try and get as many laughs as possible Sometimes you might say, I'm going to try and vary my inflections more or vary my level, my pace. Right, so So, you keep it interesting for you. Now, these are small details that won't change the performance massively. They won't throw the other actors off, but it will keep you fresh because you have something to focus on rather than just, oh my God, it's Hamlet again. So bringing it back to the business world, I used to have to go on roadshows where I was the presenter and then they would take me out to visit various different fund managers. I would tell them about a certain stock or share or equity or something like that. We'd maybe do six a day and do that for five days. Oh, by the end, you never knew where you were or or who you were talking to. It was just a blur because you felt like you were being wound up Mm. and just told to speak. Actually, in the end, that's kind of what people do in that circumstance is you just keep it fresh. You you have a conversation with the fund manager beforehand. Mm. At the start of the meeting, you'll say something like, how's your day going? You can remind yourself you're in a different meeting with different people. Yes. You know, it's morning, it's afternoon, they've had coffee, they haven't, they want to go home. Yes. They've got another meeting in half an hour, just so you know the whole ground on which you're about to pitch. And then you just go for it. Usually having slides helps you keep on track. It does. And you're absolutely right. It does keep you on track. The thing about slides, though, is that we have to remember what the point of the slide is. And if you focus, we talked about intention. Yeah. What is the intention of that slide? If you know what the intention is, the slide will work. I'll give you an example. I was working with a company in the north of England once, and it was a sales team. And they all had the same generic PowerPoint that they had to present to every potential new customer. One of the slides, it said, the history of our company every decade from 1900, 1900, 1910, 1920, 1930, 1940, 1950. And each one of them, it said, we opened a new branch in Liverpool or we had a new accounting department in Hull or whatever. All this is quite boring to listen to as a potential customer, which is I was putting myself in the shoes of. Mm. And I said, look, I'm going to stop you now. You've done 10 decades and I'm really not interested in what you did in 1900, really. So why are you telling me this? He said, well, it's in the slide deck. We have to do this because we've been told this is our slide deck Mm. and it's the history of our company. And I said, no, I understand that. But why are you telling me that? He said, because you need to know about the history of our company. And I said, why? Why? (laughs) And he said, well... Because it's in the deck. I said, there's a reason I should know about the history of your company. So what is the emotion you want the customer to feel at the end of that slide? You want them to feel secure and your safe hands and that you're worth the money and all the rest of it. So you want them to feel safe. The only point of that slide Mm. is to make them feel safe. That is your intention. Now, if you just go through the slide going, how is the history of our company? It's the fourth time I've done it today. You'll sound boring. So I said to the guys, okay, right, have a go at the slide again, knowing why you're doing it. Mm. So they clicked the slide on. He said, as you can see, this is the history of our company. We've been going over 100 years. We know what we're doing. Relax. Click. In other words, really short, but it has the right effect. And just to add to that, I saw somebody the other day do this, and I thought it was brilliant. It was a really old company. And the youngest person in the firm told the history of the company. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. And seeing a young person, like one of the newest employees. With pride. With pride. Talking about the history of the company Mm. gave it even more effect rather than one of the oldest serving. My grandfather started his business in 1990. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was really good. Yeah. So thinking about organizations, there's another time when you have to give the same message over and over again is internally when you're trying to affect a culture change. You have to repeat the same messaging over and over again. 
Because you've always said, Robin, that people only hear part of what you're saying in your speech. They hear what they want to hear or they duck out because they're thinking what they're going to have for lunch or whatever it is. And then they tune back in again. So actually, you have to say it over and over and over again. You are saying it over and over again, but you're saying it to different groups of people. Yes. So it may be that you're speaking to different stakeholder groups. In which case you can nuance it slightly differently for the particular group you're in. Yeah. Now it may be I'm working with a company at the moment where they're doing a big culture change, and all the groups that we're working on will actually be mixed. So it's not that we have one group of IT people, one group of sales, one group of front yeah. office, back office, whatever it might be. So you've got a mixture all the way through. Yeah. But one of the ways of keeping it fresh is to mention the stakeholder groups in the room. I remember once I gave a mixed talk, and for some reason we had teachers, doctors, and lawyers some sort of networking group. Right. I thought every now and then I have to say, if you're a teacher, this is relevant. Maybe you're talking to a pupil. Maybe you're talking to a parent. And of course, if you're a doctor, this is relevant if you're talking to a patient. And if you're a lawyer, maybe you have a client in front of you who you want to explain something to. As soon as you mention the stakeholder group, a third of the audience or all that group will suddenly sit up going, oh, that's me. Oh, he knows I'm here. Right. And they feel right. connected. And it also keeps you fresh because it means you're constantly having to think, who are the people in the audience? Are they doctors, lawyers, teachers? Are they graduates? Are they graduates? Like, like they've just joined or have they been there 20 years? And do they know a lot of this yeah. stuff or do they not? And all yeah. this kind of thing. So by constantly questioning yourself as to who the people in the audience are and articulating that, it makes them feel special, but also stops it becoming boring. I know for me, all of that makes perfect sense, but it doesn't matter if I've repeated it over and over again, but I have to give good information emotionally, I think, but I have to give good information and I can't use what I call empty words like interesting. You know, this is a very interesting point. It's mm. not interesting. And I think using active words is a great thing. I know you particularly don't like the word interesting because it's a bit generic. Yeah. But I think if you just say to people, okay, so if you look on the third column here, you'll see that the figure is 2.75 doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything because we don't know if it's good or bad in relation to yeah. what you'd hoped it would be. Yeah. But if you said, now, what's unusual here on this column is this. Yeah. It's unlikely, but this is what happened over here. So anything like those kind of words, mm. challenging, depressing, worrying. Brilliant. Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, it, All those words, they have energy in them and they're active. Yeah. And they allow you to sound like you're still interested in it. Yeah. yeah. And like it's the first time you've ever said it. And you yourself are in awe of what you're presenting because you can't believe how good it is. I mean, if we think in the UK, we have a wonderful presenter, David Attenborough, who's a world famous expert on wildlife and the planet. Mm. And the way he talks about something, whatever it is, whether it's a mollusk or whether it's the whole of the ocean, he still finds it interesting. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. And I was working with a client the other day and I watched him give a speech and he said afterwards, he said, why didn't I get a laugh on that joke? It's a really funny joke. I said, you mistimed it. And he said, why did I mistime it? I said, because it was routine. And you've said it too often. You've said it too often, but it was just one. routine. I said, but tell me the joke now. So he was telling a story, actually. He was saying, well, I went along to this place and this is what happened. And oh my God, it was so funny, that kind of mm. thing. And I said, well, tell me now. But as you're telling it, actually visualize you walking into that place and the other person saying this and this happening. Yeah. And he told it again. And it was funny. If you're going to tell a story, you have to really be in the story. You almost like to relive it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's rather like you walk down the street and maybe somebody's cutting grass and you smell the grass and you go, oh, I haven't smelled that smell for years. That's yeah. exactly the smell of the school playgrounds. I remember once I got off a bus and I smelled a perfume and I called the lady's name out. It wasn't that lady at all, but we're, we're, we're sort of straight back in it. And it, yeah. all this comes back to being present. How we keep it fresh, how we stop being boring, how we stop being bored is we keep it present.
So wrapping this all up, because as ever, there's just a thousand ideas in here. But what we're really saying is that you have to be intentional with your audience, mm. listen to their silent reaction. Mm. We have to use active words. Mm. We have to make sure we ourselves are present, that we understand our audience and we understand why we're telling the exactly. audience exactly. what we're doing. But as a final thought, is there something physical you need to do? Does our own energy and enthusiasm have to be reignited every time you go back on stage and say the same thing? One thing I do with clients often, if they're going through a presentation and they go, oh, it's just feeling a bit stiff, it's feeling a bit stale, it's feeling like I've over-rehearsed, it doesn't feel natural. This is when mm. we're practicing it. Yeah. I said, just try it standing on one leg because you're now trying not to fall over. Actually, what happens is you go, so if you look at this slide here, now we're going over 100 years, you could trust us, moving on. And it has a kind of Brilliant. naturalness Brilliant. because your subconscious brain is going, don't Love fall it. over. So so let's not do that when we're actually giving no, the speech because people would think that's a bit odd. So maybe if you've given the speech like 15 times already that week, stand on one leg mm. and do it again. The other thing you can do, of course, because you know, audiences judge us very quickly at the start of a speech always. So you could change the opening sentence, which will give it a whole different flavour to kick. your speech. Just a yeah. little kick. You will keep it fresh. Yeah. You don't have to use the same, good morning, I'm going to speak for 20 minutes, and then the other person will come over to our neighbours, and then we'll take Q&A. This is not what we want. You know. <laughs> yeah. But if you come in saying, last Tuesday, my phone rang. Now, there's nothing unusual in that, but do you know who's on the end of the phone? <laughs> well, I don't know either, but at least you've got people listening, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. Keeping it fresh is one of those things where we're trying to avoid being boring. And actually, we had a conversation just before we started recording this, Jan, about us keeping it fresh. And we thought maybe we could ask anyone who's listening if they had some suggestions as to what we could talk about on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Topics. Yeah. yeah. Any topics, send them in. Absolutely. Send them in. And there's a contact us button on robinkermode.com website. Yeah. Just fill that in. Give us your ideas. And we're really, really happy. What are we on now? 28 uh, no, this is number 32. 32. Also, can we say thank you at this point? Because we've just hit 250,000 downloads, whoop, whoop. which is very exciting. So thank you, everybody. We have listeners all over the world. I know we have a huge number in North America and India and the UK, of course, mm. and Europe. So thank you very much. I hope you continue to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Do send your thoughts in. Contact us at robinkemmer.com. Okay, with that, thank you very much, Robin. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Have you ever wished you could become a confident speaker or presenter? Then why not join my online masterclass, Speak So Your Audience Will Listen. In 10 easy-to-follow modules, you can become a confident and authentic speaker. For more information, visit robinkermode.com.